notes today. Anybody need notes? Okay. I think we are efforting to get some notes right at this time. I don't see anybody with notes. Um, there are notes in your bulletin, if you have your bulletin from this morning. I have one set of extra notes. I will give it to the highest bidder. Now, who needs notes? We'll give it to them. It'll be like the, uh, the loaves and the fishes. <laughs> Just pass it. Just keep passing it. All right. There may be some extra notes in there on that desk. I thought we had some. All right, let's, re- let's read the text and then we'll see uh, about the extra notes. First Samuel chapter 16. Let's head over there and we're going to start in verse number 1. If you just kind of wave at these guys as they bring the notes in, they'll give them to you. First Samuel 16, verse number 1. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil, and so, and go, I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take an heifer with thee, and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. And call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show thee what thou shalt do. And thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake, and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming, and said, Comest thou peaceably? And he said, Peaceably, I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves, and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass, when they were come, that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And we wanted to get down to verse number 7 there and and see this key passage. Trap number 8, as we get started tonight, is on appearance. And it's one that that we deal with. Um, If you've ever had a teenager around your house, you know that every once in a while you deal with some things on appearance. And so we want to give you some biblical principles to help parents and grandparents and teens themselves to understand some things about appearance tonight. Let's start off in your notes. Did everybody get notes now? Everybody, anybody still need notes? All right. We've got everybody fixed up. Let's start in your notes. God views appearance much differently than the world does. And we just read that in the scripture. How we present ourselves certainly matters, but it is obvious that society is almost totally sold out to image and appearance. Our society is all about image and appearance. And even Samuel, the great prophet, um, unknowingly bought into this system. He showed up at Jesse's house, and he said, Surely this guy is the king. Look at him. He looks like a king. Um, The New York Times writer David Brooks 
said about our current president, he's going to be a great president. Look at the crease in his slacks. That's what he literally said in his column. And so the crease in his slacks was so, just so, I don't know, so, what would you call it? Pressed? He wore pressed pants, so he's going to be a great president. Right? Um, We have had presidents before, including possibly the current one, who speak very good with a teleprompter, using a teleprompter. And they speak good, and they connect with the crowd. Surely they'll be a good president. But that's just an appearance. And sometimes we buy into the world's idea of appearance and think that we have to have this, or we have to that, have that, or we have to wear that name brand, or we have to wear that color, or we have to wear that style to be comfortable. Um, now, in Idaho... We have a, a large mix of people. We have people who are going to show up everywhere they go. In overalls. And they don't care. They're farmers. That's right. Yeah, they're going to, you see guys, they're going to wear their work boots and they're going to wear what they wear every day of the week and they don't care. Um, but, but we also have people who get too concerned about appearance on the other side of this. And many times, just because of peer pressure, it turns out to be young people who feel like they have to try to fit in through appearance. And so we have some principles for parents and for teens once again tonight. Let's start with the ones for parents. Parents, number one, our appearance appearance will model the right blend of biblical values to our children. So the way that you worry or the way that you take care of your appearance is going to model that value to your children. Now, I believe that it's, it's good to do things decently and in order. It's good to be decent. Um, the Bible talks a lot about being clean. It's good to have good hygiene. And it's good to do your best with what you have. It really is. But when we go overboard and we worry so much about our own appearance, is it any wonder that our children have that problem? Um, I was reading in the paper the other day that there's a show on, is there a channel called The Learning Channel, TLC or something like that? What does that mean, stand for? Is it The Learning Channel? There's a show on there about um, tiny little girls who are in beauty pageants, right? And there's a a little girl, I'm trying to remember her name, Honey something, Honey Boo Boo, Honey Boo Boo. Her television show about a pageant for a child, a child pageant, her television show got the same rating on television as CNN's coverage of Bill Clinton's um, speech at the Democratic Convention. Um, There were 2.9 million people watched a show about a little girl who's, I don't know, five, six years old who's in a beauty pageant. Now, my wife, I I asked my wife about it because she said honey boo-boo the other day. So I said, what is it? Tell me about it. She said, you got to see this. So we went in, and she showed me the show. Can I tell you something? The dear child's mother 
is one of the most heinous-looking people I've ever seen in my life. She's also one of the most heinous-acting people I've ever seen in my life. And you know, this dear lady, maybe, this lady, this woman, um, she is trying to live out the beauty that she never got to experience through Honey Boo Boo. And so she's dressing Honey Boo Boo up in these clothes that Honey Boo Boo doesn't even understand with piercings and sayings and pageants, taking her to these things where if she doesn't win, what's it called, best in show, or is that dogs? <laughs> I don't even know what it's called. Um, is it the, what's the best one? The princess? The crown? The queen? I don't know what it is. If she doesn't win that prize, whatever it is, she's devastated. Now, how many of you think that this little girl, Honey Boo Boo, may grow up to have problems? Is it any wonder? Because her mother is like putting those problems on her. And in society, we have people who are doing that to their kids all the time. And it's because they have so much of this over push in their own appearance. And listen, God made you the way that you are. He did. Um, God fashioned you. And you're his child if, if you've trusted him. And there's nothing about you that you need to worry so much about that you have to go have it changed and you have to go have it fixed. I understand that there's car accidents sometimes and it's good to fix some of the things that happen to people's arms and faces. But, but why go out of the way, out of your way to try to change your body or change your appearance? God wants us as parents to model the right emphasis on appearance. And so we say this in your notes, do our actions back up our words or contradict them? If we tell our kids, quit worrying so much about what that looks like or this looks like, then we have to model that same type of behavior in front of them. And we ought to do things the right way, which we're going to see in a minute. But we, we ought to be careful that we don't get so involved in appearance. Number two, we will focus on the heart of our child, not just on exterior appearance. First Peter chapter 3. First Peter chapter 3. This passage is about wives and the way that they should live as an example to their husbands. But it applies also to this principle on exterior appearance. Look at First Peter 3, verse number 3. Whose adorning or covering, let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. The real you is your soul. It's not the part of you that has clothes on. It's not the part of you that you comb with a comb or you brush with a brush. The real you is inside. And the you that God wants people to know is the hidden person of the heart, the inside person. 
And that's what we need to model and we need to live and teach to young people. Now, we say underneath this, some parents, and we described the honey boo-boo situation a minute ago, some parents derive unhealthy satisfaction and pride from catering to a child's God-given looks. Listen, I, I understand that every baby that's ever been born is the most beautiful baby that's ever been born, right? And I, and I go to the hospital and greet babies into the world often. And um, I, years ago, determined that I had to stop saying that is the most beautiful baby I've ever seen because I'd have to say it again and again and again. And eventually, at some point, it's not true, Right? There's eventually a newborn baby that looks like a prune instead of a baby. And they may turn out to be a wonderful-looking creature at some point in the future. But, but parents from the very earliest age, sometimes they base the emphasis and they base the satisfaction of their child in looks. And we have to be careful that that's not who we are. Um, we need to be strong in this inner person the soul. Number three, our daughter, if you have a daughter, our daughter must emphasize her femininity while being modest and tasteful. Let's go back to 1 Timothy chapter 2 on this. 1 Timothy chapter 2. First Timothy 2, look at verse number 9. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Here's what the Scripture's saying here. God wants His ladies who are his children, to emphasize the inner man or the soul or the works that they represent for God more than they represent the outward appearance. Now, I don't believe this passage is saying, women, look as dowdy as you possibly can. Right? I don't think this passage is saying, women, you should make an attempt to be the ugliest person on the earth. Right? That's not what this is saying. Um, I think that in the, the postscript and the tiny language between the verses, God has actually put a little clause in there that says this. If the barn needs painting, paint the barn. All right? Um, I, I know that um, God bless you, dear ladies. Um, if, if you don't wear much makeup and everybody sees you that way and they're used to you that way, that's one thing. But if they see you in makeup all the time, and then they see you without makeup, goodness gracious. Um, and, and so God has given this model here, and, and we have to really talk about, well, what does that mean? Because the truth is, in every home, um, if, if there's a dad in the home, the dad is the spiritual leader of the home in what the ladies in the home should wear. And if there's not a dad, if it's a single family or a single parent, then the mom or the guardian should be the person who chooses these things for the young person. And we have to be careful um, that we 
don't take our Christian liberty and flaunt it or, you know, run somebody through with it. Well, I can do this or I can do this because I'm a Christian. Um, that's not the way God intended that to be. If you know that there's something that you're going to do or you're going to wear that's going to offend another believer, then you should be cautious with that. There should be a spiritual struggle with that in your life. And it shouldn't be something where you flaunt it. I, I remember when I was a kid, um, we went to a church and a school where it was intense. The, the dress standards were as intense as they could possibly get. And they invented some new rules that I'd never even heard of before. Um, and while I was in college, they invented the penguin rule. Yes, the penguin rule. How many know what that is? Well, the people who grew up there, obviously. The penguin rule. Um, here's the penguin rule. Um, skirts were the only thing that girls could wear. They couldn't wear any slacks. And there, there became a rule back when I was in college in the early 90s because the ladies had a, um, sometimes a slit on the back of their skirt. Well, they couldn't have slits, no slits, not even two inches, not even one inch. So they had to sew them up. But then there was a new rule that if it made you walk like this, to have your slits um, sewn up, that you had to choose a different skirt. And so all of this under the guise of spirituality and modesty. And uh, I get that. But, but a lot of times when we go to seed on some of those things, then we miss the whole meaning of it. We miss what it's about. God doesn't want us to be modest just for modesty, modesty's sake. He wants us to be modest so that his light can shine through and his love can shine through in our lives. And here's what, I, what I've always believed about the, peop, the way people dress with their dress uh, preferences or standards or whatever they want to call it. If somebody's standard or preference is higher than mine, God bless them. I respect that. If you truly believe that God wants you to wear things a certain way and not wear things a certain way through the Holy Spirit, I totally respect that. And I, I would never make fun of that. I don't think that's a, a bad thing at all. Um, but on the other hand, um, you have to be careful because you don't want your kids to grow up judging people based on their appearance. The way we grew up, we were kind of sort of trained to judge people based on appearance. And if a woman had slacks on and we met her, she couldn't possibly be a good Christian. And I know a lot of ladies who are great Christians who wear slacks, and so it's not an issue, but I'm talking about how it was in my life. And, and when we went to high school, um, we, we'd have girls that graduated from high school, and they'd get out of high school. And as soon as they got out, they'd come back to the football game. The next football game in jeans. And oh my goodness, it was the end of the world as we know it. They were verboten. That's a German word. Or it's a Dutch word. Forbidden. Um, you couldn't even talk to them. They were anathema. It's like they had leprosy. Now, just like I said, for those girls to come and wear jeans to the football game, knowing... The attention it would cause was ungodly. It was wrong. They knew they were going to offend people. But at the same time, for the people to write them off as being less than human because they decided to wear jeans now, that was wrong too. And we got to find our balance in there. And, and so 
Every person who's a leader of a home under God needs to understand what his or her responsibility is. And when we're talking about the girls looking feminine, looking like ladies, we have to talk about what modesty is and what the things are that God has given them that he really wants them to respect and to cover and to make sure that they um, keep pure and clean and precious. And, and we really should understand that it's, it has to be modest and it has to be appropriate. Um, it, it has to be modest and it has to be appropriate. People ask me sometimes, Pastor, is it wrong to wear swimsuits? Well, it's probably wrong to wear swimsuits to church. Uh, when I go swimming, I usually wear a swimsuit, but I don't wear it to church. I don't wear my ski pants to go swimming. You, you have to do what's modest and appropriate. And modest is where you're not flaunting your body or you're not uncovering the parts of your body that God said should not be uncovered. And you could do a Bible study and look at all of that. But you should talk about modesty, femininity, how a young lady should always look like a girl. You should talk about swimsuits, um, both for girls and for boys. I know that they, they just don't make swimsuits that are very modest, do they? It's hard to find them. And, and so for us to find good, modest swimsuits for young ladies is an important thing. We should have discussions about piercings and about body art and about all of those things with our kids. Um, we should have discussions about halter tops and skimpy clothing and the length of dresses and, and skirts and shorts. But that should all happen in the home. It is not the job of the local church to mandate how you should look. That is the Holy Spirit's job. In the home, and, uh, we should preach. We should preach and teach biblical principles like we're doing tonight. But it is the job of the home to figure out exactly how those principles should work in your life. And, and so I would urge you on number three to talk to your young ladies about being feminine and modest and tasteful. Number four, our son must emphasize his masculinity while being modest and tasteful. 1 Corinthians 10.31 um, this is a great biblical principle. If you don't know this one, you can use this one for anything. Look what it says. I love it because it adds this phrase in it. It says, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now, what doesn't fit into that? Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. So if you're going to put clothes on, do it to the glory of God. If you're going to put a t-shirt on that has a phrase on it that's vulgar, that wouldn't be to the glory of God. It's pretty obvious, right? Whatever you do in any walk of life, in any area of your life, do it to the glory of God. And so we ought to talk to our boys about modesty as well and the principles that they want to exhibit in their lives. And even with all of the different things that, in technology that we have now, with Facebook and texting and um, Twitter and all of the Internet stuff, boys have to be careful about their modesty as well. Um, we ought to talk to boys about having saggy pants 
or sloppy pants or grunge. Um, and it's, it's your job at home to do that. If you can see six inches of your son's underwear, tell him to pull his pants up. Right? That's your job. Um, just tell him to pull it up. That's not appropriate. By the way, um, people, I did, sometimes they just don't think things through. But can you understand how that if you can see any person's undergarments, that's probably not appropriate? Does everybody understand this principle? If you can see their undergarments, probably not good. If your daughter's wearing a shirt that goes up her back and now you can see her undergarments, even if she's 12 or 13 years old, guys are not thinking the right thing around her. And the same thing with, with boys. If your boys have their pants down to here and they have their hands showing, it's not going to work. And, and so it's the parent's job to address these things. The parent's job to talk through these things. Um, keeping, make sh- making sure they have uh, the right things on their t-shirts. And we try to give out four or five t-shirts or um, have them associated with camp and things around here every year so the kids can stock up on good t-shirts. Um, but there's another thing. We, have you noticed we live in a, a holy society? Not like God type holy, but like holy in the pants, holy in the shirt. Um, could you be careful where your kids' holes are in their pants? I don't need to see your child's underwear because they have holes in their jeans. And nobody else does either. And if you have a, a young lady who is exhibiting um, her undergarments through a hole in her pants, I can tell you that guys are not thinking the wrong thing, or they're not thinking the right thing around her. And, and so we have to be careful of those things. Um, let's go on to the teens. All right, so teens, let's help you out with a couple things here. Number one. My appearance I don't know what I wrote here. It makes no sense. I need the English teacher to help me. What am I trying to say? My appearance must Did somebody help me? What am I saying here? Okay, that's it. I just switched the words. My appearance and dress no, that doesn't make any sense either. Just take out must. There we go. All right. Thank you. Take out must. I'll do it right now. My appearance and dress need to emphasize my heart's loyalty to Christ, not my body. There's a verse in Philippians that describes this. Um, Here's what it says about the people who are dishonorable to God. It says, whose God was their own belly. Right? Whose God was their own belly, whose glory was their shame who mind earthly things. And if we're not careful in the society we, will, we live in today, here's what's modeled. That your body is the number one thing that you should think about. And you know, that's what some people think about as the number one thing. They think about it for hours a day. And they care for it hours a day. This is the part of you that's going to become dust. And yet, the soul goes on. And the things you do for God in eternity go, go on. So your appearance and dress need to emphasize your heart's loyalty to Christ, not your body. Here's number two. When in doubt, 
Modesty is the best policy. If you doubt whether or not something you're wearing is going to bring glory to God, you probably shouldn't wear it. I mean, if there's a doubt about it, why would you do that? There's no reason to do it. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. And if you think, you know what, this may not be the right thing, then you should be careful how you dress. Um, I almost had um, one of the recommendations in some of the literature I've been reading about this. Talked about having a panel to come up of people who have been out of high school for five or six years to sit on the platform and to talk about um, clothing and uh, what attracts people and wasn't, what doesn't attract people. But I started looking at the people we have that are four or five years out of high school and not anything against Brother James, but he is not a fashion connoisseur. Um, so no, I'm just teasing him. Um, but if we did have them up here and we kind of worked up through the generations, here's what we find. The people in this room who have lived on the earth the longest, you know what they would tell you? Be extremely careful about what you wear. Just be conservative. Just stay right down the middle. You know why? Because they've lived through lots of fads. Lots of fads. I mean, they went through bell bottoms. And they went through tie-dye. And they went through mini skirts twice. And, they, you know, they've gone through all the different things. And here's what they find out. Um, clothes change, but people don't. Styles change, but God doesn't. And so we have to be careful what we wear. Now, the, the reason why it recommends people that have been, you know, five or six years out of high school is because for some reason, kids will listen to them more than they'll listen to their parents. Because their parents are old. Right? It's like, mom and, mom and dad, look what's in your closet. You have clothes in your closet that are older than I am. How can I listen to you about style? Right? But the people who are just out of high school, they're hip. They're fresh. They're cool. They've got it together. You know what they'll tell you? If they were honest, and all the guys in here will tell you, if a lady dresses immodestly, it does not help the fleshly challenges that men already face. Men already face the challenge of lust every day. And we have to give that to God. But it doesn't help when we're around ladies who are scandally clad. And a young girls who are starting to hit 11, 12, 13, 14 years old have to be extremely careful about what they wear. And if you ever have any questions about, you know, should I wear this? Does, does this accentuate parts of my body that shouldn't be accentuated? Then ask your parents. Talk to your youth leaders, and they'll give you godly wisdom on this. They'll help you with this. Parents, um, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but I mentioned at the beginning of the service, there are times where we might have disagreements with our own kids about what they should wear. Um, I have seen parents and children have disagreements in the middle of the clothing section of the store. Right? I have seen teenage girls huff and puff their way out of department stores because mom told them, you can't wear that. And mom was a double standard because she said, that's too short, and she had a miniskirt on that went to here. 
And you're going to have disagreements about what you should and shouldn't wear at your house with your teens and with your young people. And so let me, as we close, try to help you with a few of those things. We say in your notes, parents should consider issues like makeup, manners, piercings, and disagreements about appearance carefully. Parents should really try to stay in a principled, conservative approach as you raise your kids. Um, Just because your kid's friend just got eight piercings on their body doesn't mean that your child should. And there ought to be a limit that you're protecting them from for their future. They may turn 32 years old and be trying to get a job, and now they've got 84 piercings in their body. And it's going to be hard for them. Um, When they have tattoos all over their body by the time they're 18, somebody didn't set up good principles. Now, when they do it afterward, that's their own thing. And if you have, I don't hate you, I love you, (laughs) Lord, I'm not mad at you. Um, Some of my best friends on earth have tattoos. My staff occasionally will say, we're going to be able to get tattoos this year. They say it as a joke always. Um, Nope, not this year. Check again next year. Um, but, but, you know, your kids are always going to test you on those things. And you ought to know up front what you're going to say. Say, listen, when you're 21 or when you move out of the house, then those are decisions you need to make. But I'm not going to allow you to do things to your body that you're going to regret down the road. And it doesn't always have to be where you can turn to a verse in the Bible. But I gave you one tonight that you can always turn to. 1 Corinthians 10.31 Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Yeah, that's a great one because you can always just put, that kind of catches everything. Um, But you need to talk about that. Manners, about how boys should act around young ladies, how young ladies should act around young men. Um, we, We talked about that earlier in the series. Makeup is another one. Um, and it's like we talked about with the pageant girl. Having a five-year-old wear makeup, to me, is irresponsible. It's just not responsible at all. Having an eight-year-old wear makeup is irresponsible. All right, now, if you're 43, please wear makeup. All right? <laughs> there comes a point... No, I'm just teasing. Um, th- there comes a point in time where things are balanced and they're right, but we have to be careful that we don't take young children and force them to be older than they are. Let them be kids. Let them enjoy life. Um, You know, seven-year-olds don't need to shave their legs yet. And I don't know what age that needs to start happening. That's for my wife to decide. But there, there comes a point in time where you have to start talking about these things. So if you do have a disagreement, let's talk through the principles. First one is this. Have you prayed and asked God for wisdom? and how to handle it. As a parent, as a child, as a teenager, have you prayed and asked God for wisdom on how to handle it? Because God has the answer. Do you know that God has the answer for every question you've ever wanted to ask? And He will allow you to know the answer through the Holy Spirit if you really want to know it. Now, if you just want to go your own way, then don't ask God for the answer. Because God will share with you what the truth is. Next one is this. Are you in agreement as a couple 
So if mom and dad are both in the home, are you in agreement as a couple? I believe this is very, very important. Listen, if you're not in agreement as a couple, don't make the move. If mom doesn't like what she's putting on today, but dad does, she, she shouldn't wear it. If dad doesn't like what she's putting on and mom said, oh, it's okay, I wore that when I was 16, she still shouldn't wear it. Parents have to be in agreement on these types of issues. You know why? Because mom has a woman's intuition and dad has a gentleman's eye. He wants to protect his daughter from the eyes of vulgar men out in the community who would look at his daughter as a sex symbol. And he wants to protect her. And so there needs to be unity and agreement on this in the home and in all of these different things. Um, now, when we were kids growing up, I can't remember, were you guys, you weren't allowed to get your ears pierced until you left home? All right, so, so that was the rule at our house. Um, but you know what? Not that big of a deal. They just wanted to leave home earlier. Um, <laughs> We're out of here. No, I'm just teasing. They both stayed at home into their 20s, I think. But, um, but the rules you make, you ought to be sincere, and you ought, really ought to pray about it. You really ought to seek God's wisdom about it. What are you guys talking about? What happened? Did I miss something? Okay, next one. Is the issue a clear matter of right and wrong or a preference? If it's just a preference... Please do not tell your kids that this is what God says. Because if God doesn't say it and they find out later that he doesn't say it, they're going to be very confused. And they're going to view God inappropriately. They're going to think that God is the one who tried to place rules on them that weren't right. And it wasn't God, it's you. And so, if you have preferences about what your kids wear and what they don't wear, tell them. You're the parent. They live at your house. They can live by those preferences. But make sure you say, listen, I don't have a scripture verse for this. There's nowhere in the Bible where it says that you can't wear ankle-high socks. I just don't like them. Right? It's like my staff know, what color do I not like? Gray. I don't like the color gray. I don't know. It's just a preference. Some of you love gray. So you have a preference where you like gray. I don't like gray. So when our lockers showed up and are upstairs, guess what color they are? Gray. So it's ungodly that they did that, right? That was a biblical principle. Um, But we have to be careful how we portray preferences. And we can't make the Bible to say something that it doesn't say. I'll give you, for instance, there's a verse over in Deuteronomy 22 that some people will take and twist to say that that women should not wear slacks or that they should only wear dresses. And you say, Pastor, why is it twisted? It's twisted because it was written during a different era for a different people. Um, What it basically would translate into today is this. Men, you should look like men. Women, you should look like women. You shouldn't cross-dress. Right? I have never worn a women's pair of slacks in my life. And Lord willing, I'm not going to. Right? And if you're walking down the road and you say, I wonder what that guy's doing. Oh, that's not a guy. Then that's what that's talking about. Right? Um, 
I would advise you only, no, I'm not, I can't do that. I can't go there. All right. If you, ask, you want to ask me privately, I'll tell you that one. <laughs> okay. Incidentally, there is another YouTube thing that you should see if you do YouTube. What's the lady's name? Sweet? Sweet Brown? The Sweet Brown? If you want a good laugh, look up Sweet Brown if you have YouTube. And it's an unbelievably funny thing. All right. And it's not bad. I wouldn't tell you that if it were. The next one. Here's, here's the one. Is the issue worth the cost? Is the issue worth the cost? You have to count the cost before you go to battle on items of appearance with your kids. And listen, if the cost is the complete breakup of your relationship with your child over a pair of socks, probably wasn't the right move. Um, if the cost is that you have a splintered and fractured relationship over something that's small and insignificant and not even based on the Bible, then you have to be careful. And young people, I, I would urge you to really listen to what your parents have to say about your appearance. They want the best for you. And they know what it is that, that works and doesn't work for your life. Now, I'm not talking about their style choices, okay? Um, some parents are not blessed with the ability to make great style choices for their kids or themselves. This is not the time to shake your head. <laughs> he thinks I have bad style. Now, obviously, I disagree. I mean, look. No, I'm teasing. Um, but parents do know, kids. They, they know if, if there's something that's just not quite right about what you're doing, they should point it out to you. And they should let you know what God's plan might be for that relationship in your life. Well, let's stand. We'll be dismissing a closing word. And uh, don't forget, if you could help uh, the fellows move some chairs and desks quickly after the service, please do that. Father, thank you for the gifts that you've given us. We know that every good and perfect gift comes from you. We know that you've fashioned our bodies. And, Lord, beauty is something that you've given. Um, the, the fact that we enjoy relationships through beauty is something that you've given. But I pray that we would enjoy those in a modest and careful and respectful way. That what we do with our bodies would bring glory to our Savior. We pray that you'd be with every young person and guide them in this area. Help them never to fall into this trap in their lives and be wounded. Guide us safely as we go to our homes. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.